Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. So um, I'm really excited. We we have a listener question, one of my favorite things. Um, Absolutely. We, we go ahead and re- read it out to us, and uh, I can't wait to share it with our, with our listeners. Yep. So it is from an anonymous person. So this person asked for anonymity. <laughs> uh, and I think when you hear it, you might understand why this person might not want to uh, uh, share widely uh, what, what's happening. So the person describes uh, a couple of problems. Uh, uh, says that the first is that we have a large backlog of portfolio items. The next six items are t-shirt sized and might take nine to 12 months based on some more work. Beyond that, guessing is about five years of work. We are forced to size things to help with planning, but we cannot get senior staff to stop committing to work, and the slower things go, the more interventions they make to try to make things go faster. I have been told to outsource some work to speed things up, but this doesn't seem possible without diverting our internal team completely. Mm. Second (laughs) problem is that the team were forced to cut corners to meet a deadline that they did not commit to, and this has caused a huge amount of technical debt. The debt never gets dealt with because of the first problem, but slows things down further. I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place. What can I do to break out of these bad patterns? <laughs> this is this is this is classic. I I love this. There's there's so much in here. I mean, oh, I think yeah. we get uh, what do we get? We get mythical man month about adding people to late projects, make them later. We we get the feedback loop between uh, technical debt and portfolio items. We get um, people keep saying yes to things like uh, so so many good things here. And one thing I think was really interesting good is, in the sense that there's lots to work on and improve. Not oh, not yeah, that yeah. we think these are good characteristics. <laughs> <laughs> no, so 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 many problems. But I love it in terms of like rich material, great, great symptoms. And I think a lot of people will recognize these because they're they're pretty common actually to have this set of things. You know, we keep being told to do more. Um, That means we don't ever have time to make things better. So things slow down. So then, you know, we're told to do, we get interventions imposed upon us, which makes things worse. So, so many things here. One thing that really got here. Uh, is some the, of our listeners, I bet, might be saying, uh, did, did I write to them? Wait a minute. Did, <laughs> did, did I do that when I wasn't paying attention? So That's don't right. worry. It wasn't you. The one, <laughs> the one who did will know who he or she is. Yeah. But one thing I think is interesting here is there's the question here, which is, you know, what can I do to break out of these bad patterns? And I think we can answer this a couple different ways, which is first is like, what could you do to try to bring in interventions? But there's a second thing, which is we can approach it maybe first, which is what could the organization do to break out of the patterns? Because they're slightly different, right? You know, if you, uh, you know, if we, if you were going in there to consulting uh, and, and, you know, I know you've, you've had clients who've had these kind of patterns. Oh, this the is perfect for, is, for either of us to be consulting. So yeah, hire yeah. us. That's one of the solutions. No, we're kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, but part of what happens there is, is who you talk to, to come in and like who, where, where are people perceiving the problem and what's the problem they perceive? Uh, and, I, and I think if we were to go talk to this senior staff here, one thing is we can see is that they they see a problem also. They see things as being too slow, but their perception of the world is probably very different from a top-down view than the bottom-up view. You know, the, the gold owner, the person paying for all this, you know, h- how might they see it versus how how does our anonymous listener see it, you know, in, in, the, in the trenches? Indeed. And does uh, our anonymous listener have access to the people who are making those decisions? It, that often what we find, and we, we reiterate this often on the podcast, is you have more access than you think you do, especially if you think you might have some solutions to these problems. Because surely these senior staff who are coming along and intervening and promising things are finding that frustrating. 
So they, I, I imagine that if your organization isn't completely dysfunctional, and I'm going to assume that this is this organization is at least paying the bills and keeping the lights on and so on, that there's some gold owners who are very, very frustrated with the situation and would be interested in solutions. So uh, first kind of schema for a solution, sort of meta solution, is uh, how can you get to those senior staff? How can you get to them? Now, I don't know whether our anonymous listener meets with them every day because they're so frustrated and intervening, or if they are in a, a distant place in a faraway country that this person doesn't have access to. We, we don't know that about our anonymous listener. But in any of those cases, one of the first things I'd be doing is making sure that there was um, the, the, the mechanism for an intervention that goes all the way to the top and all the way to the bottom. Yeah, and I think if, if we were starting, I think if, if we could get get access to those people, and I, I think this is your first reaction if you if you go talk to those people and say, yeah, I have a backlog that's five you know five years work, <laughs> you know, let, why don't we start there? What's what's the first bit of advice you'd have for someone with this giant backlog? Uh, well, the the first thing that I'm famous for saying, of course, is uh, delete the backlog because you're <laughs> you know, it's it's completely meaningless, and having something that is even nine to twelve months out. I find usually is um, much more effort to maintain than it ever has value because if there's something that's so important that we are going to, to do it in four and a half months, someone, so four and a half years, someone will remind us before the four and a half yeah. years are up, <laughs> right? Oh yeah, it's time to do that thing that I've been waiting four and a half years for. And much, much more likely that thing will not be important anymore or it won't be in the same form it was. There'll be all kinds of updating. So doing a whole bunch of T-shirt sizing, as it sounds like this team is doing, is actually wasted effort. That means those senior staff people are not getting their results because the team is busy planning something that's going to happen in four years or more realistically will never happen. So uh, now just deleting the backlog is not something you could do without those senior staff being involved, which is why I started with that mechanism. Right. And you mentioned in here that, the, that this idea that they've, they've broken down, they've, they've done the T-shirt size and the estimating for, for nine to 12 months of work. And then they have five years beyond that. And yep. so we're talking about maybe getting rid of both of these backlogs. You know, maybe oh, absolutely. Both. Yeah. The, the estimates that you've done for work that's nine to twelve months out, th that th that's that's useless. You're, you're you know by the time you get to something that far along, the work you did to 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 break it down was is not going to be very very helpful. So I I think our uh, um, anonymous questioner here understands that, and you know his point is that they're being forced to break it down, which is why you need to get to the senior people to explain that there's one very basic thing that you could do that would immediately improve productivity and would get them their stuff faster. Yeah. And that would be uh, to stop being quite so um, artificially pre uh, predictable, trying to look predictable and uh, actually be predictable. In other words, deliver something relatively quickly. Right. But I think we're going to have to come back on this, uh, the question of who the gold owner is relative to the senior staff, because I, I suspect this might be the uh, situation where there's, um, multiple people at a senior level who are making requests that are not coordinated. But that's the actual problem. So I just want exactly, to underline yes. <laughs> how, how important it is to solve the actual problem because there's so much that you can read and you can go look up um, lots of blog posts. I'm sure I haven't looked, but I'm sure there are tons on how to manage your five-year backlog and um, how to groom <laughs> it and all the different processes you might follow. And there's books that will tell you on page 74 exactly how to organize your backlog grooming. Don't do any of this stuff. 
because you're not solving the problem. The problem exists somewhere else, and all you're doing is papering over it. And uh, it would be much better, much more effective, if you could actually solve the problem uh, um, th that someone thinks they're solving by bringing you yet more work for you to put into 2027. And actually, let's maybe it's worth saying a bit about this because I think this this the senior staff level, as you say, that the real problem here is the lack of coordination, um, you know, at that level. So we, let's imagine that we're we're dealing with a bunch of you know VPs at a company, and and so who's the senior person above them would be the CEO, or maybe you're dealing with directors and the, there's a VP above them. Um, but th this idea of of you know let's let's get coordinated on what we're going to do. Uh, is is critical so that we can start, you know, paring down what we do relative to what we're ac actually able to accomplish, um, as a, as opposed to just coming up with a continual dream list, uh, which is the the thing that can grow forever and uh, unbounded. Um, so there's a lot uh, without knowing the specifics of the situation, it's hard to know exactly where you know what what type of um, dynamics are at play here, but certainly what's being described is something I've seen many places where, for example, you get um, the, the heads of uh, different customer accounts, for example, all making requests uh, for, for uh, projects uh, that swamp the ability of the, the team to deliver. And, and often for purposes that have nothing to do with either the organization's goals or actually producing something for customers. So they, they can be territory building or they can be um, trying to, to reserve their space. Hey, if I don't ask for something, then in 2023, when I really need something else, I won't be able to say drop this and put that in. So there can be very perverse incentives um, that can arise in a situation where no one has had the difficult conversation about what you're actually going to do and why, which is going to involve probably your gold owner. Right. By the way, just for fun, for, for listeners who might not know, there's a, there's a, an old thing in uh, extreme programming we're referring to there. There's the gold owner, and there's the goal donor. So this is some <laughs> funny uh, English uh, um, uh, pun here, where you have the people who are telling you what to do, that's these VPs, and you have the person who actually has the money. And, and the crucial insight is that those people are often different humans. <laughs> yep. Um, so the, the uh, yes, yeah, so the, the difference between the, the gold owners and the uh, uh, gold owner. The, um, the other thing that here, if we go to the next thing in kind of in the sequence is, um, I've been told to outsource some work to speed things up. But this doesn't seem possible with diverting our internal team completely. Oh yeah, that would be that would be obvious. So it's just it's so easy. There, there's too much work, and it would take five years. So what we need is five times as many people. Right. Isn't that obvious? <laughs> well, it does seem to be the standard answer, and and the idea of like yeah, well let's go ahead and just um, outsource it for people who don't know better. It does seem like a uh, an easy solution. Well, if we don't have enough people, let's get more. I mean, there are companies that do this. Um, now, it's, now I'd say this: there's a problem here, which is the uh, the trade-off involved uh, of of bringing those other people in, and and so there's kind of a, an issue here of education, of what is it, you know, what's what's the actual experience of of outsourcing, but I think that it's really interesting that there are times where it would make sense to outsource, or it would make sense to to bring people in, Absolutely. but the, the the question is. What are the what are the trade offs involved in doing that, and is it something that you're actually able to do? 
um, I've come across interesting cases where people have outsourced some of the maintenance of their existing systems to have their internal team go and build the, the next new thing. Uh, I've also seen uh, um, teams do the opposite where they have a new project and then they outsource that. Um, but then th that second one ends up often causing problems when it's time to insource it again later. Um, but it, these things are possible, but it, the, the, the challenge here is, is that the right thing to do? It sounds, uh, like if, if people aren't already coordinated, then it certainly is a, is a recipe for making things worse. That was my first thought. I don't know. What was your thought squirrel? Well, I'm reminded of uh, an old saw in the the world of urban planning, which is that if you build a wider road or more roads uh, in order to resolve traffic congestion, you get the same amount of traffic congestion on the wider or more numerous roads. <laughs> and the reason is that people say, oh, look, there's a new road. That means I can go over there uh, this way and they'll, they'll suddenly go drive there. Mm-hmm. The, the problem here is that we've got senior staff who are busy committing to new things, and if we give them more capacity, they'll just say, hey, great, more stuff to commit to, and we'll, we'll still wind up with a five-year backlog. That's what I would predict. And even if somehow we managed to get hold of that problem and we had, um, uh, you know, we didn't increase the total number of commitments, um, we're, we're going to have to multiply the team by five which the, uh, a, a book from uh, the 1970s that my father read that he had on the shelf called The Mythical Man Month explains is, is not going to work because uh, adding people to a late project makes it later because you have to bring them all up to speed. This is exactly what our anonymous correspondent refers to. We're going to divert the internal team to, to teaching everyone. And if you suddenly overwhelm them with five times as many people to bring it down to one year, even if you aren't filling up the roads, you're going to have a, a, a counterproductive um, ramping up period uh, in trying to get these folks to, to actually work. So uh, if, if we, it would be much more effective, and I almost always see this to, um, when I come in on consulting projects, it's much more effective to stop hiring and adding outsourced people and adding more complexity because the problem is the team isn't managing the current complexity very well. And it would be much better... <laughs> to figure out how to manage complexity and how to deal with these issues and only then to add more people. And that's when the types of interventions you described, Jeffrey, where you move the maintenance out or you move the new projects out or uh, you split it in some other way, that's when it makes sense, when the team's healthy. But adding more to a team that is as dysfunctional as this one sounds like uh, would, would only um, make the problem worse, add fuel to the fire. <laughs> you know, I, I really, now that you bring up that, that principle uh, of urban planning, it's called induced demand. Mm. Uh, um, uh, what it, what it um, re reminds me of, actually, is there's a bit of mythical man month there, right? Which is they, they want to make the, the, the congestion better on the highway, so they, they go and add a lane. But in the process of adding the lane, what do they often do? They close a lane <laughs> while they're doing the work. Or so the whole you, road. Yeah, you know, the whole exactly. So you lose capacity uh, in a way that's actually uh, um, remarkably similar to what you might happen uh, when you go into this outsource. You know, you have this period where um, you, you'll be training people up, and you actually have less capacity, uh, much in the way that when you close a lane to uh, to add a, to to uh, add another lane. Um, you, you end up with reduced capacity on the road. And then, as you say, but, um, and I think this is the, the I really like this insight, which is if they're not managing things well currently, 
then um, they're, they're, they're not in a shape to actually be expanding. And I agree completely, which is, you know, you want to have a functional system. You want to have things working well, and then you can add people. But having a system that's not working and adding people will definitely make it worse. Because there's also the overhead of, of, you know, the added complexity of adding more people and the, the additional communication uh, uh, overhead. Um, you know, this is famously an N squared problem, you know, where you're, you're going to, the more people you have, the, the more lines of communication they are and uh, the more overhead. So, um, yeah, I think that's, I agree with you. That's, this seems like not what I would recommend to people, which is takes me not working and then and add more people. I know I'm underlining it a lot, but I just want to emphasize how important it is that, um, uh, that we make this a shared problem. And this is often what happens when I come in as an outside consultant. It's easier for me to make it a shared problem because I can say things like, this team isn't very mature at handling complex demands. Um, we, we aren't very good at saying no. The um, backlog is ridiculously long and we haven't done anything about it. It's easier for me to say those things as an outside person and to make them shared problems with those senior staff and gold owners. And once that's a shared problem, then it becomes much easier to say, well, one of our solutions to this problem could be to uh, close a lane or the whole road and have less capacity for a while and then add capacity. Is that something you'd like? I, I almost never hear, yes, I'd like that, <laughs> because um, <laughs> that, that's, that's not generally where people want to go. They want to continue using the road and, and putting more traffic down it. Um, but they, they don't really want to, to stop for, for six months. There's rare exceptions, but that's not typically what people want to do. And therefore, they can make a much more informed decision. But it has to start with somebody saying, hey, wait, the emperor here has no clothes. Our, our, our backlog is five years long. There's something wrong here. And this is a problem for our organization, not just for technology. Yeah, yeah and that's one thing that stood out to me is you started that by saying this team isn't handling complexity well. And one of the, the key things there is is that by the team, you were including not just the development team, but oh, the senior yeah. staff as well. Absolutely. Yes, yes, and, yes. And that's 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 really key, which is to say that you are a team. And, and, and again, we say that teams are defined by people who share a problem. And this is a shared problem. And getting alignment of what, what the problem is and what your options are uh, is is really key. Um, and that's when you come in as a consultant or I come in as a consultant and we have those conversations, that's what we're doing is kind of uh, looking at it like this, we're defining the, that shared problem among the group. And as you say, as an outsider, it's easier to say, well, look, all of you are, <laughs> all of you share this, or it might be uh, uh, more challenging internally to say, look, this is a, a shared problem or more likely it doesn't, it may seem obvious to you that it's a shared problem. And uh, therefore, you're, it's it's harder to to bring it up because you think, well, it's obvious. But in fact, these things are worth stating, um, which but might be threatening. That's the difficult conversation aspect. Exactly, it's making that topic discussable. Yes, and you can make it discussable that we as an organization are dealing with complexity poorly, and therefore adding more complexity in the form of additional people in Remotistan might be a poor idea. That then you're able to have that discussion much more uh, effectively, but it's it's often left unstated because it's threatening. Yes, and well, in part because I, if I'm in this, if I'm the position or a listener, I want to go have this conversation. I know I'm going to have to go in and say to the other people, I you know I bet you're frustrated that these things are taking so long. Um, I you know I bet you're unhappy with us that we're not able to get all of these things done faster. That I'm telling you it's going to be you know nine months to get 
even the work we've broken down. And you're probably really unhappy to hear that it's going to be five years for all this other stuff. Uh, you know, am I right about that? <laughs> yep. And, 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 and asking those kind of questions, being vulnerable in that way is going to feel, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be very challenging. On the other hand, once you make it discussable, you can actually do something about it. Yes, exactly. Um, so uh, I, I think that's in, in for this sort of first you know, type of, of problem here about the portfolio. It's, it's definitely about this um, difficult conversations to build alignment with the team um, and, and including, as we said earlier on, the gold owner, the person who really has ultimate uh, responsibility of P&L uh, around this kind of work. Um, there's a lot, there's, like I said, there's so much in here that the second and Jeffrey, part, I was, I was wondering, should we keep going today and cover the, the second question or do you want to come back to that next week? I, I could do either one. What do you think? <laughs> um, I think it probably um, makes sense for us to, to, to take on the, 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 the part two, um, next week. I think we can do that and, uh, it'll be a bit, um, uh, simpler, uh, and, uh, um, because we get to some elements here that are, are, um, but it, well, maybe not, I, but I, I think it's worth doing it. We'll make it here a break. Cause I do think there is, they are, um, uh, different, uh, uh, in character. Um, in my mind, this first one is very much about external coordination and the second one about cutting corners, I think is going to be a bit different. Mm, I think there's a lot of external coordination in the second one. Good. So we will have some interesting uh, topics to, to cover next time. <laughs> So, uh, listeners, um, if you want to send us an anonymous question like this, that would be absolutely wonderful. We really enjoyed this one, and we're, we're getting two podcasts out of it, so you can't complain there. Uh, the way to do that, of course, is to go to agileconversations.com, and there you can find our Twitter and our email and free videos from us and uh, our book and all kinds of other fun things. So you can get in touch with us there. And we'll be back next week to cover our anonymous listeners' second question about uh, cutting corners to meet a deadline. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, Squirrel.